Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Kids Are Not Alright, a lighthearted sister-run podcast about family separation and all the messy bits in between. In today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Carol Hughes. Carol is a California-based and licensed marriage and family therapist and a family-focused divorce professional. She essentially serves children, adolescents, and adults as a therapist, co-parenting, and family specialist, and divorce coach. Also, and most importantly for us, Carol is one of two authors of the book, Home Will Never Be the Same Again, a guide for adult children of gray divorce. Bruce, her co-author, will be joining us on the next episode. But for now, we have the great honor to ask Carol all of our burning questions um, and just to speak a little bit uh, about the book. So welcome, Carol, to The Kids Are Not All Right. Thank you. I love the title of your of your podcast. Thank you. Um, we are we are thrilled to have you on, um, especially so so early on into the podcast. Home will never be the same again. Was the beginning of our self help journey. Um, generally, it was very hard to find any help out there. So your book really um, was a great source um, of help for us. What we liked specifically about the book is that it's kind of a perfect mixture of research, but also personal anecdotes um, of your clients where, you know, you really feel like you are in the room, you know, with you and your dog um, and, you know, kind of listening, listening into their experiences. Um, and it was kind of the first time that I could really, yeah, relate and, and hear very similar stories um, t- to mine. Um, so I guess a good place to start would be to ask you, you know, what was the motivation behind writing the book and how did that all come about? Thanks, Sophia. And I, my heart is warmed immeasurably to know that the book was so helpful for you guys. And it really, I'm very happy to hear that. So thank you for sharing that. So it was really quite by accident, as many of these things are. For about the last 20 years, I belong to an interdisciplinary, what's called collaborative divorce practice group. And it's a combination of family lawyers, financial professionals, and mental health professionals who uh, consider ourselves peacemakers because we work outside the court system. It's a legal process and it exists all over the world. So we were figuring out how to get the word out about peaceful divorce processes. And a marketing professional told us, well, you got to start blogging. So I did start writing and some of our more forward-thinking attorneys immediately embraced the idea that adult children were going through this process too. So then I got the idea, well, yeah, I agree. And so I wrote some blogs about adult children. And uh, then in winter of 2016, a reporter from the New York Times reached out to me and said she was writing a series about adult children of gray divorce and wondered if I would be willing to be interviewed. And when something comes to me like that, I always say yes. Unless they're trying to sell me something that I don't think is appropriate. (laughs) And so I said yes. And so uh, the article came out. And about five or six months later, an agent from one of the uh, big literary agency companies in New York City reached out to me and said, "Um, would you be willing to write a book about this topic? And again, I said yes. And it came out during COVID. So here we are. 
And what was the what was the response to it? Were there a lot of people that eventually then reached out to you and and you know said, "Wow, like the way that I said earlier in the episode, how much it's helped us." Exactly. And <clears throat> those are the most warming phone calls, emails uh, from all over saying exactly what you said. And that's just so heartwarming. I really think um, a big part of that also is there really is so little out there. And, you know, that's that's actually something that we're wondering about. And, and that kept going through our heads as we were doing our research and looking for this continuous support on our self-help journey was why is there actually so little out there, do you think, on the impact of divorce on adult children? That's a great question. And it leads me right into what I'm so passionate about is that we have a mythology in, I would say, in the Western uh, Western countries. They're not all in the West, of course, but more Westernized countries, which is that adult children aren't affected by their parents' divorce. And I think that stems from the jurisdictions where the law is, where there is divorce, uh, has no no jurisdiction over the adult children. And when they're 18 or 19, typically the ages, uh, they fall off the radar. And we care a lot about, we as a culture care about the minor children. But uh, they the lawyers would just tell, they, they've told me, the lawyers would say, well, we always just told our parents, your, your adult children don't matter. They're going to be fine. And they're talking about legally. But the emotional component seeps into that mythology, I call it. Just just on that, when we started expressing ourselves, I had, and I don't know about Sophia, if you had the same, I would start expressing myself as, okay, I understand logically as the adult, um, it may be better this way, it could be easier this way. But then I would also say about the inner child in me is grieving, the inner child in me is hurting, and I don't know where to put that emotion. Um and while that was one way of expressing it, I found it quite frustrating to have to refer to those emotions as the child. And I think that immediately already speaks to like the stigma of like, I was aware as an adult, maybe I shouldn't be expressing so many emotions because we're meant to be okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, one of our most forward thinking, I think of all of the attorneys I've gotten to know over all the years, uh, he, he gave me a term, he told me the term stakeholder, which I've used in articles, I use it in the book. And he also used the term children of the marriage. So when when I've been talking to people like the two of you, I always remember to say, you're children of the marriage. And I think that helps people get that broader view. You're always children of the marriage. Mm -hmm. I've never thought of it that way. And I I agree, like having just a bit of a broader context um, helps Mm -hmm. me for sure. And, And I think, you know, with I can relate to Ileana very much about the inner child you know, feeling grief and and going through that. But I also think the inner child also doesn't feel heard because yes. it's crying out for help. And usually, as you were saying, Carol, like the Western kind of response to that is, well, you'll be fine. You know, you're out the house already. You have a life already. Like, and I, and I think that is a stigma that we should really start to break because it doesn't matter how old we are. It's always going to be difficult. Um, for most of us. Yes, I agree. And I don't think it's just the inner child that's grieving. I think the adult child is grieving too. We can talk about that maybe later. I have known very few adults who've gone through divorce, the parents, um, who didn't have some negative feelings, even if they wanted the divorce and they couldn't wait to get away from the other person. There's still some negative, painful feelings that go along with it. 
So it makes zero sense to think that the adult children would not have any painful feelings or negative feelings like anger, whatever it may be, makes zero sense. Do you think that parents, you know, that are separating um, have that stigma too, in a way? I do. I think there are two kind of pronged reasons, maybe more, but two main ones that I think of about the parents. One is one or both of them is usually happy to be going somewhere. (laughs) They're going towards something that they are looking forward to, right? A new life, new this, new that. And then the second prong, I think, reason is that many times uh, the parents can be impaired. You know, they're grieving themselves, they're depressed, they're anxious. And so they don't have the bandwidth, as the saying goes, to think beyond themselves. Uh, And sometimes for both of those reasons, the one that's happy is looking out that way, doesn't think of the kids, thinking of themselves, looking forward to be happy. The other ones are so impaired, they're trying to just survive emotionally and sometimes financially and so forth too. So it's easy. And then the third prong is, I should have said three, is what parent doesn't really want their children to be okay? Right. And so that 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 myth, I call it again, is seductive. And again, right, because that again is logical. And that again is something that we understand. And it also, I think the dangerous part as an adult going into that, and which I think children of divorce maybe have less, correct me if I'm wrong, but is because you are so aware of those two polar opposites, you naturally, if you don't know how to draw boundaries from the beginning, get drawn into specific roles as children. Um, And, you know, Sophia and I have had episodes on how different those roles were for us, even within the family dynamic. But those active roles, I think, are something that any adult child of divorce would take in one way or another. Is that is that right? Absolutely. And and drawn into it, as you said, and feeling guilty to have your own feelings Mm -hmm. because your parents are drawing you in either overtly or covertly. And because they need you for whatever reasons, there's nothing wrong with that part. Uh, But and then feeling guilty if you feel like I can't handle this. You know, I'm dealing with my own stuff here. <laughs> and and so then you've got that layer of guilt along with all the other feelings that, you know, I know you've both gone through and we've wrote, written about in the book. Yeah, I think what's interesting is it's not just the, it was actually less that I have my own feelings, to be honest. For me, it was, so I, I really stepped up in the beginning to support our mother. Um, and if I'm going to be really honest and reflect on that, that also was an excuse for me not to have to think about my own pain because I was able to focus on trying to help someone else. Right. Carol, you mentioned um, earlier, you you said great divorce revolution, and I just wanted to um, kind of elaborate on that obviously, because it's also in the title uh, of the book. Can you tell us a little bit more about this so-called gray divorce revolution? Um, What is it? Are there many of us out there? (laughs) Yes. um, I'll tell you the statistics in a second. So uh, I did not coin that term. There were researchers. They are sociologists at uh, Bowling Green State University. uh, And they were just studying the U.S. Census. And this statistic jumped out at them 
that from 1990 to 2015, I think the first number was 2012, and then they extended it to 2015, that the divorce rate for those 50-year-olds and older, all the way up to 65, 70, 80-year-olds, had doubled during that 20 to 23 years. Mm -hmm. And epidemiologically, that's shocking and statistically significant, as they say. So they coined the term Great Divorce Revolution. And what they also discovered in that same time frame, 90 to 2015 in the U.S., was that the divorce rate for those 65 and older had more than doubled. And they were predicting that this whole, what they call a cohort, we use that in research from 1990 forward, by 2030, will have increased again by another third. Wow. So that's a huge, huge bunch of people. And so we did a little research in U.S. research uh, about divorce. Let's see if I can remember this. I think it's about 1.2 million adults in the U.S. that's divorcing parents and their adult children Mm. go through this great divorce every year. So that's not, you know, we've got over 300 million people in the U.S., but it's still a large number if you Mm. just think about the number. And the vast majority of them know zero about gray divorce. They know zero about how it's affecting their adult children. And even the parents don't know how they should be able to help, try to help their adult children. And the adult children don't know either how to help themselves and help their parents. So it's just a big mess. That's a clinical term. So (laughs) that's a big mess. Yeah. I mean, for us also doing this podcast, we obviously wanted to represent the voices of of the adult children, but also we, we hope that at, at some point the, the parents of those adult children can also listen in and kind of understand where we're coming from. And, um, and, and hopefully it's as helpful to them as it is to us. So, um, yeah, that's why I think it's interesting that you say that there is just very little knowledge out there in, within this community of people. Exactly, exactly. And we wove through the book uh, how the parents could be helpful yes, and, yes. Things, and things that the ch- adult children could do to help themselves. And and then t- toward the end of the book, we wrote a whole chapter on how the parents can help, specifically uh, devoted to that. Um, but still, there's a lot more that could be written for sure. And I think what's so helpful in that chapter is you also talk about maybe some of the mindsets that the parents could take on also rather than just actions. It's just, it's almost like this mindset shift is needed of seeing this as a, as a more contextual, wider issue. <laughs> that exactly. Across. No, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I did, you know, you mentioned the inner child earlier, Eliana. I did, I did use that as a tool. Mm-hmm. When you look at Eliana, I'm talking to your parents now see that inner child, see that younger child there too, because it's her history. Right. It's her history. And so many of the adult children say, was my whole family life smoke and mirrors? Mm-hmm. Were you guys not happy? I mean, you acted like you were happy or maybe they argued, whatever it is. And they really start questioning their whole childhood, adolescence, early, you know, adulthood, however old they are, 40. We had even some 60 year old adult children. It becomes kind of surreal is what a lot of adult children, it's like, I feel like I'm in this surreal world universe and there's no place to really stand or grab a hold of. Kind of yeah. Just floating. 
there was there was um a few examples in the book also of people kind of questioning their parents' identities and being like, oh, you know, there was a lot of quotes of like, you know, I don't recognize them anymore. Like I don't know who yes. they are anymore. And I yes. can relate to that massively. Like I I feel like I've gone crazy, you know, and I'm like, was the, you know, was this parent always that way? And I just didn't know that, or have they become that way? Is it possible to change this much as a person? Like you right. just question all of these things, um, which I don't think you do if you are, yeah, not an adult, I, I guess. Yeah, I think that's true. Some teenagers do, even some minor children report uh, that they start to question who they, they are themselves, the children. Yeah. Because whether we like it or not, we are the children of our parents. <laughs> and we do get a lot of our identity from their role modeling and lots of things way beyond the scope of what we can talk about today. Mm -hmm. And so the adult children start questioning their identity too. Like, wow, if my mom or dad could change that much, maybe I could too. Maybe I don't even know who I am. Maybe I'm in this relationship with this person I think I love, but maybe I don't. Maybe I don't know anything about love. Did my parents know anything about love? I mean, it goes on and on and on. So. That also kind of perfectly sets up the next question that we have. And and in your book, you really interview um, adult children from all walks of life. So what are some of the most common struggles um, amongst adult children of divorce that, that you encounter um, with your with your clients? I uh, mentioned a couple of them already is the, the feeling like my feelings aren't valid. What's wrong with me? And And some of even adult children's peer groups will say, well, just be glad you weren't six when this happened, you know, get over it. Let's go have a drink or let's go play golf or whatever, you know, so that not getting that validation from friends, relatives, and our culture, as I said earlier, also the guilt, if you're feeling like you should be more helpful to them, but you don't feel like you have the skills to help them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I tell the adult children to say is, I'm not a professional I really don't know how to handle this. I'm I'm just your your child, your adult child. Um, I'm struggling with this too, so that because a lot of parents never think of that um, that their parent their children could be struggling. Uh, also, some of the struggles. I, I to me the biggest one is what we've already talked about the mythology that you're going to be fine and you sh shouldn't have any feelings, and then underneath that come all these other ones that derive from that. Uh, a lot of times, you know, one parent really is impaired. You were saying, uh, Eliana, that you immediately thought you needed to be helping your mom because mm -hmm. of whatever the dynamics were. That's a big load, depending on whatever age. Some of the adult children are barely out of, you know, their their high school or gymnasium, whatever it is, training. And they're in college or they're starting even a career maybe that they've trained for. So they are starting their new life. But now they have this other life you know, their mother or their father or both parents, that they really feel like they need to be helping, but they don't know how to help. They don't have the skills to help. They don't have the money to help if they're the younger adult children. And then as the adult children, we talk about the different stages of adult development in the book. You know, if they're in kind of middle adulthood, let's call it, with their own children, maybe younger family, older teenagers, whatever, their mid-career maybe, uh, whatever all that is, they've got their whole family life going and boom, here comes this big crisis in the family of origin. And the same thing. I don't know how to help my parents. I was mm -hmm. headed this way with my family and I thought we'd have, you know, holidays at, you know, my parents' house where I grew up and blah, blah, blah. And now they both don't have any, you know, they can't work because they're so depressed because it's divorce. Their parents 
or whatever. And the adult children are really at a loss, many of them, how to help. And sometimes resentful, rightly so, to feel like they have to help, Mm -hmm. even though we know ethically and humane-wise we need to help. But it's a it's a big, you know, clog thrown in the mix there. Yeah, I'm so happy you said that because while you were talking, I was thinking about how I, I have also felt that guilt feeling, but then admittedly have also felt frustrated and angry at times. And I, I, I then in turn feel bad about feeling that way. So it's kind of just this like horrible cycle. And for me, especially... I've talked about, you know, being a people pleaser and and just wanting to give. Um, And I definitely reached a point where I was burned out and I just felt like I couldn't give anything anymore. And that has kind of impacted me in in the long run as well. So definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned the long run because that's something to consider too. Maybe talk down the road. What, how does, how does this keep impacting the adult children? You know, a lot of people think, because I'm the licensed therapist, as you said, uh, that, you know, therapy is all about feelings. No, it isn't all about feelings. And what you were just talking about, Sophia, reminded me, you know, I very frequently tell the adult children and their parents, okay, we've also got to deal with reality here. The reality is, parent, you're the parent, and your adult child is still your child. You're always the parent, they're always the child. Yeah. I mean, maybe when you're 95 and, you know, you're an invalid in a bed, okay, a little role reversal there. But at these ages, the role reversal really is not very appropriate. And a lot of adult children want to be able to say, look, I'm burnt out. <laughs> I love you. I want to help. But I don't have any more gas in the tank, so to speak. That's the reality. And the reality is, parent, I didn't create this mess. Right. Mm -hmm. This isn't my divorce, although it's the fallout is affecting me tremendously. And who is really brave enough as an adult child to say something like that? You know, but sometimes we have to deal with reality and we have to hear reality. And I've had many parents not very happy with me for eventually being that honest with them. Mm. Like this isn't all about you. This is a family system. And everything that happens in that family system affects everybody, whether we like it or not. I think we've gotten better uh, as a family, Ileana. I don't know if, if you agree, but like at the beginning, you're also kind of in survival mode. So you're just all trying to help each other out. And like the lines are just like fully blurred. And you're all just calling each other up every day, like oversharing and crying mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then yeah. I think time, you know, you have to start to set those boundaries. And that that's hard because at the beginning I thought, uh, like, I'm not going to be, a, I'm not a good daughter if I, mm-hmm. if I don't give the advice or if I don't listen, um, which obviously is not true, but it took me a while personally to get over that fear. Right, right. Um, the reality also is, Yes, it is a family and there's a family dynamic, but that family is made up of individuals, each with their own dynamic. Yes. Obviously, it's it's really hard then to give one fits all solutions to that, right? So, I mean, just from, from your perspective and in, in your experience, is there a main piece of advice 
for not only the adult children of divorce, obviously, but also the family as a whole um, that is struggling to kind of come to terms with this mess? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just said it. The main piece of advice, but people aren't ready to hear it or do it yet, is we need to deal with reality here. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm the parent, let's say. I, I tell my siblings, you know, and, and my parents that they're still alive. I say, I don't want my uh, my adult children to lose their relationships with all the extended family. I don't want anybody to line up in a warlike, you know, pattern, support dad, support me, whatever. I don't want any of that. This is a family. We want to preserve the togetherness. Yeah. If there was togetherness, some families don't have that at all, of course. But, you know, we, we, we want to minimize the losses mm -hmm. as much as we can. And to do that, we have to be in reality of all of what I was just saying a minute ago. I won't repeat. So to me, that's the biggest, you know, look at the the whole family, as you said, Eliana, as a whole, and it's made up of parts. Yeah. And to ignore any of those parts is to ignore that there is a whole made up of the parts. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I think as as this conversation is coming together, one thing that's really standing out to me is in a way, Sophia and I are very privileged because we are even able to have conversations of how do we keep together somehow, right? And I think there are many families where that's not even a conversation. And that might be because of how things have played out. That also might be just financially not having the means to even get to that level of processing because you can't afford getting the help that you need. Mm -hmm. The research in our field says that if if we can have someone listen to us deeply, which means listen and not judge us yeah. and be present with us in that space. And I can hear your feelings and say, yeah, I can really hear how painful that is or how angry you are. And that if no one got anything else other than that, never even did therapy, that would be a huge, big first step of healing. Sometimes it's enough. Depends on how much people are hurting. but. So that's huge. So mm. people can listen to you and you're listening to them. Yeah, the ACOD club. That's what yes. I'm about. The adult <laughs> yeah. children of divorce club. Woo! Unite. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no one yeah. really wants to yeah. be here, but we're here for each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so obviously we've talked a lot about um, our situation, you know, coming from a very harmonious kind of family background and then having this uh, shock moment of our parents getting a divorce. Um, what are some of the main reasons an adult child of divorce can feel, you know, relieved when their parents divorce? So one very common one is if the marriage wasn't that happy and there wasn't all this, which seemed like a happy couple. Uh, so that the adult children are shocked, you know, it's like, I've been wishing since I was three years old that, you know, my parents would divorce. And I even told them that, so to speak, but they never did. And then the adult children say, well, I kind of got used to it. I guess they weren't ever going to divorce. And then they finally do in my adult years. And I'm like, thank goodness. Finally, it's like, you know, putting a pin in a balloon or something. It just goes, shh, shh, shh. thank goodness. And I always thought my mom or dad would be happier. And I could tell one wasn't happy, both weren't happy, they just weren't a good match, all these things. Sometimes one or both parents has been abusive mm -hmm. to the other parent or the children, and it was kind of a living hell 
like they felt like they were living in a war zone and they finally did. And, you know, and they'd say, well, you know, we waited, we wanted to wait until you guys were grown. Like, uh, you didn't do us any favors. You know, maybe I could have had like 10 years that were peaceful instead of only, you know, none. uh, Those kind of things. Or sometimes there's been financial impropriety, you know, where one parent was, you know, siphoning money or gambling Mm -hmm. or, and putting the whole family at risk, uh, you know, financially, or, or sometimes it's, they just weren't a good match, the parents, and they didn't have the skills to yeah. have a good marriage. And so uh, those are the, those are the adult children that say, yeah, now I've got to do some work on my own to unlearn a lot of this stuff and work on my own healing. Yeah. Which is another reason I think your podcast is so great, because you're helping people learn about these familial relationships that really do affect the adult children mm-hmm. uh, and, and can just continue affecting them positively or negatively as their lives go on. So it's really important, the work you're doing. In, in a way, I think that's maybe also a really nice way to wrap today up because I think the whole idea is this is also not a once in a, it is a once in a lifetime event, but it doesn't stop there. <laughs> yeah. And, and ideally it continues to be um, integrated and collaborative um, as a family, because there are going to be so many situations that you're going to have to navigate around. And that obviously starts with like family traditions or people getting married or you having children of your own, all of those things. Um, I think ideally in an ideal world are still a family decision of how do we handle this together? Yes. Yes. It's been so helpful just talking to you and, and honestly, like, uh, Eliana and I were, were talking also the other day and we're saying how nice it is to, to speak to someone that understands and who, who understands and who also, you know, um, says things that I can fully relate to. And it's just, and I hope that that's the feeling that our listeners also get when they're listening to us speak. So thank you so much for coming on. And also, I just want to plug the book again, because it was uh, really such a help for us. Um, it's called Home Will Never Be the Same Again, A Guide for Adult Children of Grey Divorce. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a lifesaver. And and thank you for for all the work that you do in this field, Carol. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. All right. Well, that is a wrap on our conversation with Dr. Carol Hughes. This has been, well, actually the first conversation with um, an expert, a family therapist in this case, and a co-author of a very, very helpful book. Um, We are going to continue to invite uh, experts on the topic of the impact of separation on adult children of divorce. We hope that this has been as um, helpful and interesting to you as it has been for us. Having said that, we really look forward to the next episode and hope that you continue to tune in. Bye. Bye.